0: Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Well, hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Wingman Podcast. And this one's a little bit different. We haven't done a ton of actual live podcasts. It seems like in the days of (laughs) COVID-19, we've done a lot of uh, Skype And Zoom meetings, Zoom calls, and Skype calls. But as far as sitting down with an actual human being, that's been pretty rare. So I'm very happy to do it the way we're doing it tonight. I've actually got um, a good friend and fellow wingman and the proprietor of Western Waterfowlers (laughs) 2.0, Noah Miller. Uh, Noah, how's it going, man? Doing great, doing great. Thanks for letting me
1: be on the podcast with you. Oh,
0: heck yeah. I appreciate you sitting down and and doing it. Noah walked in the door and we immediately started talking birds. (laughs) And it was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. (laughs) we got to record this. Yep. So we're winding down to the last, what, five days of duck season? Yeah. For 2020, 2020 and 2021. Yep. Man, it's... You're trying to piece together hunts for clients it's and I'm trying grind. to piece yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to piece together hunts for camera. Yep. And we've had I think I think you've had some good hunts and I've I've definitely had a couple of good ones but not like not like I expected.
1: Yeah, we've had some good ones but definitely had some days where you're wanting to pull your hair out just cuz I mean, heck, birds have been here since what, October?
0: Yeah. October. Of, literally the middle of October. We got a so. big storm in September. Yep. And then we got another big storm in October, and it pushed a lot of ducks into the area. It pushed geese, too. Well, the geese reversed, migrated back up to Montana, and I think all the way to Canada. I think so, too. And, uh, but the ducks pretty much stayed. And we've got in the area that I've, I, I think you could conservatively say in the county we're in right now, there's probably fifteen to 20,000 mallards. Yeah, I'd agree. In, the, in Right here that I've seen. But the weather's been super nice. <laughs> was it 53 degrees today? It was 61 <laughs> degrees today with that hard wind. And then we got that rain, that little bit of cold front that came in. Yep. Again, that got the birds up. It did. It actually drove
1: by one of my leases, and we were working on some tree stands because – didn't have any clients today, so helping out the farmer and drove out of there to go get some lunch, and that cold front pushed through, and all the birds were on the river and came back right after
0: lunch, and man, they were piling
1: into that field, and I yeah. was like, all right, we got something going there here. There you go,
0: yep. But that's exactly the been the problem. We've had birds, yep. we've had zero weather to push them around. Yeah, they just don't do anything. No. They've been literally feeding at night. The ducks have been feeding all night long. Geese- come out, feed for where, whenever and wherever they want, and then they go back and loaf all day. It's been tough, and it's been tough because the weather's just been too nice. Yep. I mean, that's all there is to it. But let's backtrack a little bit. Y- you guys that are familiar with wingmen have seen um, videos we've done in the past with Nick Kafkas. Nick was the original proprietor of Western Waterfowlers. Yep. And you were have trying to make a name for yourself you're a young buck and you're trying to get <laughs> yep. going in this thing and you've been a guide for quite a few years now yeah uh, this will be going on five years now five years yep. five seasons and so you had the opportunity to come and work under nick and kind of feel things out and see if this was something you wanted to do in this area yep and then the next year you ended up buying the outfit from nick yep why don't you run us through how that worked how did you get your start in guiding
1: so pretty much since i was a young kid i mean i grew up kind of in the city so everyone thought i was the dumbest person out there to be saying i want to be a hunting guide and they're like oh that ain't ever gonna happen and i just kept putting at it and when i was nine years old or 2007 i was at an ISE show big game show and also i heard a bunch of duck calls going on well me being a duck and goose guru I keyed in my ear on it and started heading that way and next thing you know there's a calling contest and so I talked to my dad and I'm sitting there looking at it and well I guess my dad knew the guy who ran the calling contest and he was like you know what let's let's put you in there and so first calling contest in 07 took second place and intermediate and I still remember that getting on stage and my knees shaking like crazy. and <laughs> But pretty much calling contest got my foot in the door, um, I guess, to guiding. Because I then turned around and all the years prior took second in state three years in a row. And I was 15, 16, 17 years old and won a couple other contests and stuff. And so finally it came down to me wanting to go do something. I just finally said, you know what? I'm going to send out a bunch of emails, and so I bet you I send out 20 plus emails to guide services, and finally, it was uh, Hunt Up North, or not, sorry, not Hunt Up North, it was, uh, oh, what is the name, it was, uh, I can't remember the name it was, to an email, and he was good friends with a guy in western Minnesota, Watson area, and he knew he was looking for guides or guides, and so he forwarded my email to him and next thing you know chuck um ellingson owner of watson hunting uh, watson uh hunting camp called me up and started talking to him And he's like hey i would really like you to come out so 19 years old moved out and went moved to minnesota across country and i guided out there for three years and then um my third year i just got an invite to come out and hunt out in wyoming with a guide service and it was western waterfowlers and remember the first night i got into the lodge and started talking to nick and i mean as we did as soon as we first met started talking about bands and birds and oh yeah i mean good friendships a lot of good friendships have come about between waterfowl hunting and next thing you know i'm talking about buying them out and that next and then went home came back and started kind of helping him run clients and getting to know the area and he was a uh, next very nice guy of helping me le- teach me everything he knew about this area i mean all the little spots on the river and everything like that and so no it helped a lot and that summer turned around and made the made the big
0: move took the plunge, <laughs> took the plunge. yeah yeah, that's it's a pretty remarkable thing. I, I think your story is, while it's unique to you, I I bet that a lot of guys have a similar story. Yeah, where they, it was they knew it was something they wanted to do, and they just jumped in with both feet. Yep, deep end of the pool. Just I'm going for it. Yep, and then put themselves out there and started networking. Yeah, you know I would bet. Out of those twenty emails you sent, I would bet maybe half of them got opened. Yeah, I would say. And maybe two or three got considered. Yeah,
1: you I, know, I think I only had one other email,
0: right? That got a return from it. Right, right. So. But you took so you you sent twenty. I mean, that's that sounds like a pretty big number, but it's really not. No, nope. you know, I mean, you could do twenty emails in. 30 minutes, if less than that, you know, five, 10 minutes, if you've got it all lined out. And so, you know, you talk about just, it's like, it's following a passion basically for you. Yep. You know, it's something that you love and you, you love duck and goose hunting. You love the waterfall and lifestyle. And you knew it's like, you know what? I want to, I don't know exactly what I want to do after high school, but I know I love this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've just been taught if you don't love what you're doing for work, then find something different. I mean, right. It, if you love what you do,
0: it won't be work. Yeah. So, I yeah. I'm I've, not sure I agree with that completely <laughs> cuz as you as anybody who's truly chased after a dream knows, no matter how much you love it, there's days it's still work.
1: Oh yeah, there's you got your ups and downs. Last year, my first year running, there was I mean, it was a good year it was still a little warm tougher year for a lot of people i mean it was tough for me but being able some tricks up my sleeves and some stuff people have taught me was able to be successful this year um i mean as we talked about the weather it's just been tough been able to pull some good numbers out and have happy clients and i mean a lot of my clients they understand hey it's it's hunting right but yeah there's it's been
0: a lot of days of grinding. No. Oh.
1: That it's just been
0: I am glad brutal. I am glad that I am not <laughs> in your shoes, that I I get to basically you know sit at a desk and do Eastman's stuff. Yep. The big game side of things <laughs> has really taken with the things that we've got going on at Eastman's, I've been pretty busy with the big game side of things yep. and It's, it's not been bad because the weather's been so nice that the duck hunting and goose hunting has been slow. Yeah. And we've had some really good days. Um, we're actually going to drop a webisode on Saturday that features basically what the best hunt we've put together so far this year. And it was a, it was a five man smash and we killed, we killed a five man limit on mallards we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of birds working. Yeah. But it was at a point in time where it was cold at night and not real warm during the day and a full moon, so the birds were feeding all night and then coming back during during the morning. But they weren't going so the problem that we're facing is that in the county there's half a dozen good sized towns and well in this area and they all have water treatment plants, yep. sewer ponds. And those pl- those ponds aren't completely frozen. And that's where the birds are wanting to be. They're not wanting to sit on the river that makes them so they're accessible. Yeah. Why go sit in a heavy current when I know. you can go sit in the ship ponds? <laughs> yeah, right? I know. And it's, and it's frustrating for, for us because, yeah, there's birds. There's birds here and there, but not like what we're used to. And especially not when we're seeing those birds in the evenings up flying around going to fields and you're watching a tornado of 5,000 mallards go into a cornfield right at dark and you're like, I got to figure this out. Yeah. There's nothing to figure out. They're going back to the sewer ponds and that's where they're staying. Yep. And you can't access them. And that's, so that's been the tough one. So you've been beating your head against the wall this fall as a guide trying to get your clients on stuff. You talk about that bag of tricks. What are some of the things that you have leaned on this year to get people to get your clients birds? You know, a lot of it's uh just being
1: able to access certain land. I mean, I've been blessed to know more and more farmers each year and, and lease up some land to where I'm the only one hunting it so I can kinda of manage those birds to where like public land I mean, you can't manage anything. Right. Um so some of the tricks, I mean, just walking rivers, finding out where those birds are actually one, and then whether it's packing in decoys for a couple miles on your back and blinds, panel blinds. Um, I mean, I've spent a lot of time walking up and down rivers to figure out where they're going. And then once you figure them out, how do you get decoys in there? Because as right. you
0: know, of some of those river spots... You can't. You can't even... You find the birds mm-hmm. but you might not be able to hunt where they want to be. Right. Because you can't get decoys to hold in that in the current or it's not safe to put a dog in the river in in that spot. Yep. Or say you can get a dog in right where they where, where, they're, where the birds are, but you've only got fifty yards before there's a lot of Steep considerations. That, anything. There's a lot of considerations and it's you know, I, I remember the days of hunting ponds, like beaver ponds and still water. Yep. And where birds would come in and you just tear them, tear into them and knock down, you know, however many, no big deal. Yeah. they they're going just, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. You start hunting these Western rivers and those birds are gone. Oh yeah. You gotta be, I mean, you either have to have a really, really good dog or two good dogs or that, three or three. I mean, yeah. the more the merrier. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's interesting. You know, I, <clears throat> I really admire the guys that have these super polished retrievers are super steady it's important to have a steady dog but for what we do here specifically here it's important i need a dog that is under control but a dog that goes yeah at the same time yep like i need i need mackinaw for example i can call him off of a retrieve but i don't have to release him if that makes sense yep um, in a field, I need him solid. I need him steady as a rock. I can't, especially in your situation, can't have a dog that breaks no. around clients. Nope. And that's something that me personally, that's something that I've had to work a lot with Mackinac on, and he's not 100%. So I know if, if I've got a bunch of guys that I really trust in a field, I'll take him. Yeah. But if I've got guys that say I'm helping you or when I on times when I used to help Nick, right. if I wasn't sure – I'd have Mac in the pickup, just in case. Just in case, but a lot of times I wouldn't take him in the field because he's he wasn't a hundred percent steady, and mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't trust him on that. As he's gotten older, he's gotten more chill, yeah, and he's a lot more steady now. But he's still, I can keep him from going on a retrieve, but most of the time he's Mister Automatic, and that i don't know that's kind of important on the on our rivers out here because they're so fast yeah that if a dog doesn't get on those birds immediately they're gone yep no i i mean this sad thing to say is
1: I mean you hunt that river enough days in a row you're going to sail one down the river yeah. or get yeah. a golden eye i mean you everyone knows golden eyes that how they dive and man that river. They dive and they get in that current. They're, they're gone. gone. Yeah, you don't see them again. No, nope. I mean as as much as you hate it, but having that good of a dog that just knows. I mean, I guess in the olden days the river dogs, right? They know how to take that current and get ahead of that bird, yep. and and yep. especially this river here. Um, it's one of the only rivers I've ever hunted or been around that pushes slush, and for how right. fast it's moving it pushes a lot of slush i mean there's days um that nick's told me where they'll show up on the river and you can't hunt the river because yeah. it's just so full of
0: slush and yep. they either have to go to a
1: field hunt or go do something else
0: yeah exactly and well we had that scenario last year when the morning we hunted with jim silbir from sitka yep you helped out on our field on on the field shoot the day before yep. and we went down and we did the river hunt the next day. And I remember saying, and it's on, it's on that webisode actually about helping the dogs. Cause we knew it was cold. It was cold. And the river was pushing heavy slush and we knew that we we're going to be chasing decoys all morning and that anything far that was out in the river at distance, it was on us to get in our waders. Cause the slush is interesting because you can wade right through it Mm-hmm. But a dog can't swim through it. A dog no, it just pushes them. It just pushes them, and it's like trying to swim through a Seven Eleven slurpee. <laughs> they you can't swim through it. You can like, I don't know how, how. That's the only. That's the best way I've I've figured out how to explain it. Is a lot of these western rivers, especially here in this area of Wyoming, when it gets much below 15, 10 or fifteen degrees, they start to slush up. Yeah and you've really got to hunt i hunt i like to hunt afternoons when it's like that you know the cardinal sin you slept in you know what i mean we had a hunt a couple years ago on the bighorn with the guys brian tucker from high mountain seasonings Mm. that we should have slept in (laughs) because it was so cold it was like four degrees that morning at the boat launch and the river was a little slushy it wasn't it wasn't real bad yeah that's a much larger river than the one we're hunting here yep but the birds didn't do anything yeah. until noon just hung tight let the sun soak up the sun that's what they did yep. and we really struggled and once but once the temps got up and the sun came up man the birds started to fly around and we crushed them. I mean, we we killed a five man. We killed a four man limit in, I want to say, probably an hour after Jeez. once the birds started actually flying. Yeah, and before that in the morning, I mean, there were birds around, but it was like they just weren't doing anything. Yeah. So that I guess that's some things that I have learned. You know, you talk about walking the river, being able to hike decoys in just work yeah extra work you know and i think that equates to obviously you're dealing with private land that you have permission to hunt or you've leased yep but that equates to public as well yeah because i've hunted some public here locally late in the season that it was with nick Mm -hmm. and we walked the river and found the birds yeah I've, I've hunted a couple of public spots this year and have done really, really yeah, well on them. I mean, but you had to work for it. You had oh to go yeah. down and you had to make sure that those birds were there yep. you had to find the X yep. had to find exactly where they wanted to be. And that might've required a couple mile walk yep. to walk around in there. And not only just one day of going in there and scouting, you got to go in there multiple, multiple days just
1: because who knows they could have got bumped off their real X and just got right sat there right so if they're not there one to two days in a row it's i mean you could probably go hunt it and do okay
0: but it's you're not going to have a good hunt having multiple spots yep. you know what i mean having having your having your honey holes that you know are going to produce birds yep you know whether that be a private land or you'll know, just say it's it's a private piece that you have access to maybe you're, you have exclusive access to it maybe you lease it maybe you don't maybe you just have permission right whatever um but so so you've got that ace in the hole yep and then you branch out from there you're like okay i know i got this i know i got birds here and so i'm gonna go on my lunch break from work I'm, I'm thinking like dudes that aren't guides yeah you know oh yeah did regular joe blow i got an hour from i got an hour on my lunch break and i can be this piece of public is 15 minutes from where i work i'm gonna go walk that at lunch absolutely yeah, i'm gonna find those birds and i'm gonna do it multiple days in a row so i figure out what's going on so on my day off or on saturday yep i'm not screwing around in the dark or wondering where i need to be i know exactly where i need to be and yep. i get in there two hours early get set up and you make a plan on making a day out of it i mean we used to do that back in michigan yeah and because we had competition we were hunting either public property, yep. or we were hunting private that a lot of people had access to. We were, like we weren't the only ones, yeah. and so it required a lot more work. It required doing what other people want not to get results that other people don't.
1: Yep. I mean, and I would say another, I mean, mm-hmm. trick that a lot of people use, and you guys use it all the time, is on X. I mean, yeah. on X, that's a lifesaver. Yep. I mean, you can. Get on on X and look around and look at the river, the lay of the round, the way the river bends, and if there's some back eddies, yes. or is this public? Or okay, I can go in, access this spot, walk up, and I should be right there. And I mean, plus you can track it yep. that way in the dark, you're not okay. I need to make a right turn here and accidentally go 20, 30 yards too far, right? And make the wrong right. turn or something.
0: Well, and, and we use on X. Yeah, I mean, this year, just the way the hunts have been, we've we've stuck to we've stuck to our honey holes. Yep. we haven't branched out very much. But in the past, we used on. Well, we just picked up permission to hunt a piece the other day that I didn't realize I'd actually hunted just downstream from a couple of years ago, and it's one of the spots that you actually lease now i yep. believe downstream and it was funny because i remember before we went in there we were looking at on x and there was this big side channel that swept around and there, there's enough current in it that it doesn't freeze up yeah but it's it's very little current and the ducks love it they love being in there and the morning that we hunted we had scouted that, but it was on pro it was it's down on the next property. We didn't have permission to be in there. Yep. You do now. Yep. But we sat above that on a big bend and we killed some birds, but the majority of the birds wanted to go in there. And I remember telling Nick at the time, I said, Man, if you can figure out who owns that down there, you can get permission from this person, that's where you need to be. Right. Because I said, That is obviously where those birds want to go. And it was like sitting there watching these birds dump in, and I'm going, "Why are they going down there?" <laughs> and I'm and I pull up on X, and immediately I looked at it, and went, well, "That's why." Yep. There's a big side channel down there. Yeah. Then I guarantee you, it's calm, and it's got Russian olives in it, and it's got everything the birds want. Yep. That's why they're in there. Yeah. And so being able to look at a piece of property, we do it in big game with big game all the time, where we use on X to Scout a piece of proper a scout a scout ahead basically. Yep. You don't know so you're hunting something new. You don't know what's over that ridge. So you're pull up on X, especially with their new three have you seen the new three D layer? I haven't. Holy smokes. You have Apple or do you have Android? Android. Yeah, it's not <laughs> so they, it it'll be out for Android pretty quick. Gotcha. But they have a new three D layer and it's like the three D mapping. It's like I hate to say it, but it's you know how you used to pull up Google Earth to yep. look at the 3D and everything. Yeah, that's Onyx has that now. Jeez, and they have it. It's only available for Apple and desktop right now. <clears throat> iPhones, but it's coming for Android, and so it's it's a game changer Jeez. because excited, esp- especially for big game because you look you can look at it and go I don't know what's over that finger ridge, it's in front of me. I've never been in here. I, I wonder if it's worth going up there. Mm-hmm. You could pull up that 3D layer, and it's going to show you, instead of just topography lines, like the hybrid version where yep. you've got aerial, you've got satellite imagery overlaid on topography, or vice versa, this is going to show you the 3D of exactly how that looks. Yep. So you're going to see the little wrinkles and the little folds and the little benches. Well, that translates into waterfall like what we're doing, is you can pull up a river and go a uh, overhead view of the river and 3D that thing, and you can see, okay, is that just a weird shadow? Is that an island? You know, is there – how steep is that bank? Right. You know, because we deal with that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Where you may not be able to access a spot that the birds want. We were just talking about this when after before we fired up the podcast. Yep. We have a spot that we're going to hit in these last few days of season here that is the where you gotta hide against literally like a vertical cliff. Yeah. It's shallow. The river's really shallow and slow. It's kind of a back eddy deal. And they it's like they tuck up against that vertical cliff. It's almost like they're doing it for safety, for security, after a long season. Because early in the year they don't do it. Yeah, they'll hug up in up in the trees and right. get up tucked up underneath them. Right. But now it's like they've been shot at for an entire season. The only places it's like they don't get shot at are these vertical cliffs because you got to come in from above them. Yep. And I well, that cliff's thirty plus feet tall. I mean, if not more. Yeah, probably fifty plus. Probably, yeah, it's tall. It's tall enough where if you walked up over to jump shoot them, it'd be a long shot down. Oh, yeah. Down <laughs> to the river, you know. So it's, but if you get so if you get tucked up in there, but there's situations like that with Onyx where with this 3D mapping feature where you look at that and go, "Ooh, wow, I can't. I'm going to have to go around and come in from below this." Yep. With that 3D, you can look exactly how you need to go. It's awesome. it's revolutionary. It's really really cool. It's really neat, so
1: I'm excited for that then.
0: But yeah, it's stuff like that, you know, just that extra work, that extra walking, whether it's the guy doing it on his lunch break or like you, it's part of your job. Yep. So you're out with your beaten feet, you're pounding brush and you know, like you said, you might use Onyx to look at a spot and go, okay, but now I need to see what's in actually in there. Right. Onyx will tell you it's not such a great tool. It'll show you good spots, but you won't know if there's anything in those good spots until you go walk it. Right. And there could be a few birds. There could be right. hundreds. And especially on a year like this, yep. I've had some surprising days where last Saturday, for example, I scouted I scouted on Friday morning and found some birds and I went, you know what guys, let's put a crew together. Let's give it a whirl. Yeah. I saw him I saw pretty good numbers of birds going in here and flying around. Let's try it. Yeah. And it turned out to be a pretty good shoot. Hmm. We didn't shoot particularly well, <laughs> but the had, birds were there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I had we had a couple of young young kids in the blind that don't One is like his first year hunting, and the other one doesn't get to shoot a shotgun hardly at all. So it's understandable. And of course, the adults are like letting them shoot first, you know. So we're taking shots at birds that are out (laughs) there, and yeah, it was it. If we'd just had a a bunch of seasoned guys in the blind, I think we would have we would have smoked them. Yeah, but that's okay. I love taking the kids out. You know, that's that's another part of of. Of, you know, what you do is getting to see, I don't know, for me, and I'm just talking about for what it would be like for me if I was in your shoes, it would be rewarding to see the fire in people's eyes, like almost, I get, I get a bigger kick out of watching my wife, out of watching my kids, out of watching, um, well, I've, I, I guide fly fishing in the summers. Um, and watching my clients, yep, I get just as much excitement out of that as I do pulling the trigger or yeah.
1: oh yeah, absolutely, and that, that's what I tell all my clients is and I get more excitement out of watching you guys shoot birds than I do. I was like like I shoot enough of them I was like i don't don't bother me none, but I had a group out from Utah, and this lady it was a couple, and then it was their son and then their son's friend, and the lady had only shot one green winged teal in utah oh wow been hunting a few times out there and just kind of on some public and tough hunting out there as it is this year out here and um they get out here and they hunt out my trailer blind which that thing.
0: we'll talk about that in a minute
1: (laughs) but so they get out on the trailer blind and single comes in i'm like all right you ready and she's like yeah i'm ready i'm like all right stamp shoot that and she stands up misses the first one and i'm like all right there'll be more don't worry and Another flock comes in, and it was, I think, a flock of, like, 20. And I'm like, all right, they're going to just mop them up. And flock comes in and kill them, guys. Boom, 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 boom. And all of a sudden, the last two shots are her and her husband, and she just crushes one. I mean, out at least 55 yards. Oh, boy. Just crushes it. And she's shooting a a 20-gauge. A 20-gauge. Yeah. And I look at her, and I'm like, you know you just crushed that, right? And she's like, yeah. And you could just see that fire build, and she she almost beat the dog out to that no. to that bird. I mean, and she, cause you're she dogs, was
0: fast. Yeah, she
1: was. I mean, just pumped after that. And that was day one. And I mean, every night after that, I'd go hang out with them and and drink a beer and stuff. And it was man, what's what's going on tomorrow? What do we got planned on tomorrow? And she was just—you could just tell she was Fired hooked up. from that day. And she. I mean, she understood, hey, it was, hunting. we're going to go out there. Maybe one day we'll back home we'll shoot two birds, and next day we'll shoot a limit. But, man, you could tell she was wanting to put in that work and that fire that's just cool. watching her shoot that goose, especially at that distance. I mean, that's a good poke with a 20-gauge well, for a goose. Well, you
0: and I were talking about that the other day because you showed up to the duck blind the other morning with the 20-gauge. I love my 20. And <laughs> when we hunted with Jim from from Sitka last year, he yeah. was shooting a 20. Yeah, he was. And you know, we were shooting federal black cloud ones and threes or twos or yep. whatever. And you and I were talking about how effective the twenty gauge loads are today. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to matter if you're shooting, like I said, federal with with premium steel loads like black cloud or even yep. their blue box. Yeah. Just crushing birds. Yep. Or if you step up to one of the one of the heavier than steel non toxics whether it's you know, whether it's a TSS load or a tungsten mix or some sort of a tungsten ally or a bismuth load. Yep. These shot shell technology has just made leaps and bounds in the last I would say even in the last five years. Just the last couple especially to the point where all well, the sub gauges that you know, 20s, 28s, 410s. They're making Shows. a comeback. They're wicked. Yeah. They're light in the hand. Yep. They they swing well. They point well. They don't recoil. They don't kick you to death. Nope. It was funny. You grabbed my over <laughs> and under 12. I, I was not to, ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> went out to finish a <laughs> cripple, and uh, you, boom! And you looked at me, you're like, man, I think boots. Because you've been shooting a 20 all right. Right. I
1: mean, I remember, I sh- I've shot a case of that. Uh, I mean I'm strictly black cloud I mean that black cloud of that 20 gauge is deadly on everything yeah and I remember bought a case for the 20 gauge shot it and I went bumped back to the 12 gauge tossed a three and a half inch blue box uh, i think it was two shot or double b a goose and i remember pulling up and shooting the three times and I'm like man give me that 20 back I like that thing I mean <laughs> But the, but the thing is, is I'm, I'm crushing ducks and geese at the same distance, just as good with the 20 gauge as I am at the 12.
0: Yep, yep. I mean. And you're choking it well. You know, you've got a, you're shooting an aftermarket choke. Yep. Which there's so many good aftermarket chokes now too. I mean, tons and tons and tons. Yep. And, and factory chokes are great. They are. Everything is so much better than it used to be. When I was your age, what are you, 20? 23. You're 23. <laughs> Frickin' pup. Oh, it's like my dog and your dog sitting here having a conversation. Yeah. i tell you what.
1: Stories they could tell. Nobody. <laughs>
0: but when I was 23, things were just, like, Heavy Shot was just new to the market. Yeah, Federal could come out with their tungsten iron and tungsten polymer loads. The original bismuth load was, had been on the market for a few years. Um, Steel was still pretty much garbage. Yeah. They were, companies were starting to figure out that if they reduced payloads down to an ounce and an eighth or an ounce and a quarter and bumped their speeds over 1400 feet per second, that inside of 50 steel was pretty lethal. Yeah. Um, Especially if you're decoying birds, even now to this day, if you're, If you're strictly shooting birds that are feet down in the decoys, which you and I both know out here, if you did that, you'd go home empty-handed a lot of days. Mm -hmm. Where if you might need to – you know, we get birds that come by, especially on the river, and they give you a hard look, wings set, come by, and they're 40 yards, 35 or 40 yards, but they're not going to land. They're not going to finish. I shoot at those birds. yeah, And so – Having the shot shell advancements that we have, man, I am smoking those birds. Oh yeah. I, Whether it's a twenty, a twelve, um, I've got an old sixteen gauge LC Smith side by side. Oh boy. I've been trying to find <laughs> some like some bismuth for it. And it would be fun to take that out and shoot it. But you know, I I see a lot more guys shooting a twenty. Yeah. And I know I I kind of like. I'm kind of scared to because i oh, think i might really like it make make then- <laughs> the jump
1: yeah, i guarantee so growing up my dad that's all he shot was a 20 gauge because the 12 the recoil would actually pinch a nerve in his back okay and so and he'd get headaches and everything so he'd only strictly shoot the 12 at geese everything else is 20 and now for the last probably i would say eight years he's been strictly 20 gauge no matter what and I'd shoot it every once in a while. I mean, and growing up, that was my first gun was a 20 gauge. You start you start small, and I mean, younger kids can handle that and everything, and then they work up to a 12 gauge, and now I'm working back down. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I love that thing.
0: I remember shooting, you know, when, when steel, when they outlawed lead. I was not old enough to have really ever hunted waterfowl with lead. Um, so I've only ever known steel. I was almost there, but I wasn't, I'm not quite, I'm not (laughs) quite that old, but you know, when guys, when steel became mandatory, these non-toxic loads became mandatory, steel was the cheap alternative. Right. And they didn't know any better. So they loaded it to lead payloads and lead speeds and it was shot all over the place. Oh, it was horrible. (laughs) It was horrible. So what was the solution? More shot. So guys, everybody, goose hunters especially three and a half inch 12 gauges mossberg 835 ultimags and the original i remember i remember seeing the original benelli super black eagle and that was like you were rich if you could if you could have one of those you yeah. know yeah the guys that wanted to shoot three and a half inches shot mossbergs yeah and you don't know, talking about rattle your teeth Jeez. light gun all that powder oh my goodness <laughs> and i saved up and bought myself a Remington SP ten, okay, semi auto ten gauge, based on loosely, roughly based on the Ithaca Mag ten platform. Yep. Browning came out with a Gold ten about the same time. So there was a while there where we we were all shooting ten gauges, and just you know that was crushing. Oh, it just crushing, right? Yep. Compared to a three inch twelve, it was that old steel. The ten was a massive improvement, right? But my gosh, that SP-10 weighs 10 pounds Yeah, with no shells in it.
1: Have fun lugging that thing up and down the river. Well,
0: here's the deal. If you're standing up to shoot, it's no big deal. No. You pick it up, no big deal. You start shooting out of layout blinds, and you're like the last (laughs) one getting to shot off because – you know you need all that firepower to reach out and touch them because right. you you're not fast enough to shoot first no, or second no so the funny thing was about the time that we started hunting out of a lot of layout blinds, that was the thing. Sean Stahl and I had this conversation. This is gonna lead into your trailer blind yeah <laughs> Sean Stahl well a lot of guys and I have talked about it, but Sean and I had a very good conversation about the revolution or re evolution or whatever you want to call it basically the cyclical nature of what works on birds and what doesn't yeah whether it's calls whether it's decoys whether it's decoy setups whether it's hunting the edges in an a-frame or laying out in the middle in on backboards or yep or layouts So it all, what goes, what goes around comes around. I remember when we all hunted out of like pits or we built big hay bale style blinds in fields or we hunted out of fence rows. Yeah. Well, Bert and we got, got, so it was really tough to kill those birds after the first few days. So then we started hunting on layouts and it was revolutionary. How you do, you're, you're finishing birds three feet off your boot, off your boot bag. Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember watching videos of birds landing on the layout oh, yeah. blinds. I've had them do it. Yeah. I've literally had them do it. Yep. And land in between you and insane stuff. But you've got to grab your gun pretty much with one hand yep. and sit up. And you're shooting from a very restricted position on your rear end. Yeah. A 11-pound or 12-pound gun is not real conducive to doing that. you got to be... You got to be a pretty strong individual to pull that off. Yeah. And I mean, I've always been a pretty stout guy. (laughs) And so that was never really a big deal. But I remember when I made, when I started shooting my duck gun. Yeah. I had a a Browning Gold Stalker at the time. Okay. This is, dude, this is 20 some years ago. (laughs) And that gun, that Browning Gold Stalker, was light as a feather. It's just a 3 inch 12. And I, I don't think I might not have had any shells for my 10 or I remember what happened, but I had that gun one morning in the layouts and I sat up and I tripled on the first flock like fast. Yeah. And I went, I kind of like that. (laughs) (laughs) That gun's really quick. Yeah. And so that was kind of became the philosophy of a lighter, quicker gun on layout blinds over the long, heavy gun. Yeah. And I got, so I really preferred that and have had a pile of them over the years you know now we're shooting the cz's and they are light as a feather and they're quick and they're fast um you can hunt with them in any scenario you want but making that transition from the layouts where you're shooting off your butt the the evolution has gone back yep hiding in hiding in edges ditches ditches, and I mean, today i today okay so for example today i watched a flock of birds right before dark geese yep this is we're getting late in the season we still got a month left of goose season right but these birds have been around for quite a while right yeah and i watched them decoy in to within five feet of a big grassy ditch yeah today I mean, and they're feeding on both sides of it and i'm going dude that, they're so killable. Oh yeah, so killable because there's you could hide an army in that ditch without blinds, right? And five years ago, no way they wouldn't
1: even go within a hundred yards of that no, thing.
0: Not at all. But now they're so used to getting pounded in the middle of fields that where they looks like they're hidden or they looks like there's nothing there, and then all of a sudden they're getting pounded on.
1: Yeah they're even they're more cautious about going into birds or decoys in the middle of a field because now they're circling it and thinking okay where's that i mean as sean Stahl would say boogeyman right where's that boogeyman in that field um because they're so conditioned to it i mean it's like any other i mean it's a wild wildlife they're conditioned they get conditioned to anything deer elk turkeys well, we waterfowl everything
0: well, right and we were talking the other day how long geese in particular live yeah ducks not yeah. so much i mean ducks ducks can have a pretty good birds in general can live a long time yep um ducks but geese holy smokes Oh, i mean some of those giant canadas that we killed i killed a bird i told you the story the other day i killed a giant canada in michigan that was banded as an adult and i killed it and the band was like 14 years old yeah and he was banded as a, as a gander. He was banded as an adult. So it's like, how old was that bird when he was banded? How old was that bird? Right. You know what I mean? Twenty? Yeah, twenty-five. I, mean, I don't know.
1: I, I've got on my lanyard. I've got two sixteen-year-old bands, and Jeez. I know one of them. Um, he was banded as an adult. Um, I mean, yeah, who knows? And I I remember taking that band off that bird, and it broke because wow, it was, was worn. That, it was that so thin. thin. I mean, I barely just pulled it with a pair of pliers, and it popped off. And then this last year, a buddy of mine back in Utah, he shot a tw- his kid shot a twenty year old band. geez And and it's just like, man. So
0: you think about that, and you think about what we were just saying about they get conditioned, yep, and they get so they don't want to land around other birds in the middle of a field. We're watching that. We're watching that very thing going on right now, where birds. There would be a big, group, big wad out in the middle of a barley field or corn stubble, and the birds, the other birds won't land with them. They'll land Off the 60, sides. 70 yards away, yep. and then they'll walk in. Yep. Whereas I watched the first group land next to that ditch tonight, and they decoyed right in with another group that was already there, and then two other groups came right in behind them and decoy- and landed right in with them. Yeah. Didn't even really swing, got the wind right, dumped in. Yep. And I'm thinking to myself, man, ten years ago the geese would not do that. No. So Our- this is where this is where <laughs> <laughs> you're trailer blind, the which red-neck is school is incredibly bus. unique. And <laughs> you told me how you were gonna do this. i I had a vision of those ice shanties that they use in the upper Midwest, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, and in Canada. That are trailers. Yep. Camper and trailers. They're, I mean, yeah, a camper trailer. they're an enclosed trailer Yeah. and you pull them out on the ice, you get where you want to be, you flip a switch or whatever, and you lower them down and they sit flush on the ice. Then they got holes in the floor and you pull the panels up, drill your holes and you're fishing. Well, direct TV's going on, right? a couch, right. you got a right. stove, you got beds, all Beds, punk beds, you got all that different stuff. And that's, that's a different story but you kind of modeled your blind that you're using this year on that same principle i gotta believe you picked that up while you're from your time in minnesota absolutely so when i was in minnesota um
1: i guided for a guy in south dakota that had a trailer blind um and so i saw the design of that and then we transferred it over to the hunting camp in minnesota um and we started building them he built them a little bit different i mean you know, rednecks, they come up with their own idea. Oh, yeah. Not that one's better than the other or anything like that. Good old American ingenuity. Yep. And so we ran those, and those were awesome. Uh, my boss out there, he had them on hydraulics. Oh, wow. So you literally just press a button, <laughs> <it> goes down, <laughs> press a button, it goes back up. And so those were sweet. But when I got to it, and I mean, last year I ran panel blinds and A-frames right, and stuff. Right. They were good. But why not have a full trailer that not only can I hold all my decoys in, it's already grassed up, it hooks onto my truck, and I can drive it from point A to point B without having to take two trailers. You're saving a
0: serious amount of time.
1: Right. And another thing is, is I built it, and I know a lot of people build them. To haul four wheelers. Okay. So not only can I just back a four wheeler off, say, say early season, you it's get muddy. in and to get into a money field, farmer doesn't want you right. in there with a truck. Fine. He agreed to a four wheeler hook that four wheeler up to it and away you go. Well, that trailer, it doesn't weigh that much. I haven't weighed it, but I would got to think it's under 1200. Wow. And so four wheeler can take that. No problem. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so my, my trailer I have is 24 feet long. So we I mean we all Nick eight guys in there? We've hunted ten out of it. Holy A little smoke. tight with ten, I but I would bet, yeah. But eight guys I would say is the max comfortable wise. Um, but I mean that thing's awesome.
0: That's awesome. I like I've that.
1: had birds I've I mean, every field hunt, I mean, if you follow Western Waterfowlers on Facebook, every field hunt we've had has been out of the trailer blind. We haven't hunted out of layout blinds once well, this that's, year.
0: Well that's that's interesting that you say that because Um, have you, I was just going to ask you, have you used your layouts at all? Nope. That's interesting. So you're finding then that right now you're not needing a lot of flexibility.
1: Not really as of right now. Now, um, the one field I've hunted, I've killed, I've shot limits out of them three different days within a month and a half span and it's the same birds in there now i know after that third hunt i could tell they were a little weary of it sure they got used to it but they we still killed the six man limit out of
0: it and you still finished birds right i mean and they're going to get leery of anything if you're pounding on birds that regularly in the same spot they're going to get leery of any setup absolutely it doesn't matter what it is or where you're where in the field you're set up yep they're just gonna get more more wary yeah just because they're getting shot at
1: yeah and I mean the the nice thing about it um is I can take that thing in the dirt in a dirt field I can take it in a wheat field cornfield anything I want and I can't remember who said it but um I think it was maybe Fred Zink, but I can't say for sure he said it but I think he said one a frame looks good in the field Four looks
0: better. Four looks better because yeah, it heard.
1: actually looks like an actual ditch yeah, out I've there.
0: I don't remember who said it either, but I've heard that. I've heard that expression, and yeah, looks like a ditch line. Looks nope. like something. It like looks low more, spa nat- something. No something. more natural. Yeah, and I that's mean, that's crazy. And you'd think those birds would would know that. You know, they spend because our geese here love bare dirt fields. Love them, and I don't get th- it. No, I don't understand it. But they I'm looking them. around going, what in the world is there out here to eat? And you walk around and you look, and okay, most of them are beet fields. Yep. And there's pieces of beet top or chunks of beet out there. That's got to be what those birds are picking through. Yep. The other thing I think that the, the reason they like it is it's secure.
1: Yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing no out there. There's
0: no way that anything's going to get to them out there without them seeing it. Unless you got a pit. Right, right. I mean, good luck getting that out here. Well, <laughs> guys, just, yeah, there's no way. There's no, and I don't blame landowners for that because once you dig a pit in a field, it's Im- almost impossible to get it filled back in the right way. Well, and another thing is, is
1: most of these farmers out here, they're running cows.
0: Right. So now you got a
1: 20-foot 20, 20 pit out there oh, that a cow geez. can fall into. Yeah. Can you imagine? No.
0: Hey, let's go out and jump in our pit <laughs> and there's a cow in there. You know what I mean? Oh, How are you going to get that out? Right. Right good grief or something yeah just dig a ramp (laughs) (sighs) yeah so that's interesting i have yet to hunt out of it with you because you've been a busy guy um we actually got to hunt together for the first time this year just the other day yep um but i'm looking forward to lake goose getting in and oh we're gonna put a pile down it's gonna be awesome i'm looking forward to that because hopefully we get some weather yep
1: it's coming it's in the it's, forecast yeah
0: it's got to it's it's got to i don't think we're going to get it in time to end off our duck season no. but late goose could be good yeah could be really good yeah. so kind of where I'm, I'm excited for that i'm excited to see how that thing works because i love shooting standing up oh it's you shoot far. so much better when you're standing up right and on I, your feet i've had i had just a
1: group of clients or a little group of older gentlemen um started guiding them when i first started guiding in in minnesota is actually south dakota is where i met them running snow goose hunts and they were out of layout blinds and i told them last year they came out and hunted with me and we hunted two days on the river and one day we were out of panel blinds and he's like oh i'm glad you're not using layout blinds because he's like it's getting tougher yeah and and this I know
0: year my, I, my dad's almost 70 and he hates hunting out of layouts. yeah and he'll actually like nah. I'll go sit in a fence row. Yeah. You know? Yeah,
1: and so I told them about this trailer blind, and they were, like, pumped about it. That's awesome. And, I mean, it's – trailer blind's six feet wide, so right now I just got propane heaters in there that I can right, move around. But this next year I'm going to weld a platform in there and actually pipe in, like, six sunflower heaters in there. So that way I can <laughs> – I can have sunflower heaters in there. I'm gonna have a shelf. I mean it's it's gonna be even better than what it is this year. Wow. And people are already like, Yeah, we want to hunt out of that thing next
0: yeah. year. It'll it'll be interesting to see how long how long your hunting stays good with it. Yeah. That's you know, what I'm I'm it, curious about. I'm too. betting I'm betting within three or four years Yeah you're gonna have you're gonna be back to layouts yep. or you know but, it's, but that's the thing is there's going to be times when you're still going to be able to use that. Right. And you look at some of these some of these ditch lines and things on the edges of these fields. If the birds are close, you just put that up. Or if it's a dirt field, yep. instead of putting it out in the middle, you put it on the edge yep. where you can hide it. You know, no big deal. There's still going to be times in corn stubble where you got to be out in the middle of it or whatever. Like the hunt we did last year, I'm sure we could have used it and it probably would have worked oh, like yeah. a charm. Probably yeah. better than the layouts because we would have a lot of the birds wanted in behind us yep that's always a pain i think i bet it's safer oh yeah to hunt out of because guys aren't twisting around getting twisted up shooting over each other's heads uh, yeah shooting over each other's heads or stepping in and out over their guns you know layouts are not an ideal way they're a great way to hide no they're not an ideal way to actually shoot That's that's interesting. When we first started hunting on them, we used to actually practice in the summertime on a skeet field. Yep. Sitting on our butts. Yeah. And I mean it it, made it made a big difference. Right. I mean, another thing with that trailer blind
1: is I mean, out here the wind is always switching. Oh yeah. Always switching. So the nice thing is is if you're hunting out in the middle of a field or even on a ditch in between two fields, put decoys on both sides. Well, say they start favoring one way. I mean I couldn't tell you how many times this year, wind to switch all of a sudden. Wind switch, birds are showing up, and you just gotta say, "Okay, guys, get ready to shoot them out the back." Right. And with the chairs I have in there, I have a sw- Rogers swivel chairs, swivel so they around. swivel around and they shoot out the back, and it's not a big deal. No, nope. they're not blinds, tangled up. Oh, you can't. You'd do it be with a screwed. Blind. you I mean, can't do it. I mean, us younger people, we can get away with it a little bit because we can spin around on our knees and pull out the back quickly. But, yep. But clients, I mean, a lot of them, they can't spin around well, that and fast. It's not, and and it's not safe. No, it's, it's not. It's not safe. You get I mean, guys
0: twisting around and guns are waving around. It's just not a very prudent thing to be doing. No, so no. I just see a lot of advantages of, of what you, of the system you've got going right now and I, I think it's awesome. I hats off to you for doing something different. I think and it's thinking the only, outside the box. I think it's
1: the only one in the Western states. It may be. I mean, you should see the looks I get driving down the down the road. <laughs> People are like looking at me like, "What the heck is this well, guy at doing?" First
0: blush. It looks like a duck boat.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: It looks like a big long duck boat, and in the Midwest or, or down in. Down in Utah, that's what people would think it was. They wouldn't think twice. Oh, it's a duck boat, and then you pull it out in the field and drop it down and start pulling stuff out of it. And they're like, "That's not a duck boat. What yeah. is that?" I would bet you money. I mean, i I spend a lot of time cruising social media. I talk to a lot of people, a lot of waterfowlers. I between Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. I've not seen one out here like yours. Now I could be wrong. Yeah, I could. I could, like I could said- be wrong. But you're definitely a pioneer in <laughs> in that regard, and i I don't think you're gonna be alone i mean I think there's there's a handful of other outfitters in the area where we are they'll they'll, they'll catch on. on yeah they'll catch on yeah I they'll mean
1: the thing that
0: helped me the most is
1: knowing about that right. I mean, you you try explaining an ice castle
0: fish house or anything right. like that to people in unless Utah. Unless they've or seen Idaho. one. And
1: yeah, unless they've seen one, they have no clue. No they're concept.
0: like, what? what? Well, you pull up a YouTube video and be like, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. And they're like, oh. But, yeah, I I think that I think they are going to get popular. And then by the time they get popular, they'll quit working. Yep. It's like spinning wing decoys, yep. you know. Everybody knows when they first came out, they thought about outlawing them because they were so effective. And all the old guard was like, "Just give it a couple of years; yeah. the birds will get used to them." Yeah. And now I just saw a post on the Wyoming Waterfowlers group on Facebook. This is before you before you came over tonight. That guy asked, um, "Hey, I want to add. I want to add a spinning wing." Yep, saw that post to, to my spread. Do you think it works? You know, yes or no, yada yada. And a friend of mine who I go to church with, Tyler Davidson, answered, I think it was the first comment that answered. He said, uh, "It depends." <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, and I, it's and he's and Tyler's spot on with that because it is true. It does depend. It you know it depends. Are you hunting a field? Yeah. Is it cloudy? Is it sunny? Yep. If you're hunting water, is it cloudy? Is it sunny? Yep. Is it? Are the birds? Are they fresh birds? Are they stale birds? It cost us birds the other day because I hadn't used one in a spot um, and decided I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a whirl. Yeah, I should have known better because it was a cloudy morning, and I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna run it. Right? You just never know. You never know. The first two groups of birds, and I mean big groups of birds, decoyed in upriver and wanted to float in, and they had to float by the spinner. To get to us. Yeah. They get to the spinner, flush to go upriver, fly away from it. And so I yanked it. And then later in the day, the sun kind of clouds burned off a little, got a little bit of sun and I put it downstream, kind of on the downstream edge of the decoys, away from the blind, kind of up, tucked in some brush and actually finished some birds with it. And it was like, so it varied even in the same day. And I think again it's going to go back to that birds are going to get used to things they're going to constantly change constantly adapt you have to be doing your homework first of all where do they want to be right you know how can i hunt that can i not hunt that you know like you said there's places you walk the river there's places that the birds want to be but you can't get to them right i mean i can't hunt them i tell all my clients i
1: tell them well we, we're gonna hunt here there's a lot of birds here but i said we're gonna see a lot of birds go down the river yep. a couple hundred yards and they're like oh well, why can't we hunt i tell them either super steep bank you can't cross the river because a lot of people who hunt hunt this river out here they know there's only a handful of spots you can cross the river that's well, in most of the spots right. you you can't
0: no um and so no. not safe for a dog right you know that's that's a big thing for me um yep deadfall. Our, oh man, our dogs are more than just tools yep. they're they're pets, they're members of our families. Yep. um, the days when people put their dogs outside in the kennel and had you know old Jimbo never came in the house, yep. you know, kind of thing, I think those days are pretty much over, yeah for, for the part, for yeah. the most part, guys with dogs, if you have a dog it's part of your family, it's right. in your house my dog Mackinac is he's he is part of my early warning system in my house he sleeps in my girl's bedroom they have bunk beds set up and the bottom bunk is tall and he's got a bed tucked underneath there like a cave and that's where he sleeps at night because one God forbid if somebody were broke were to come into my house right he's gonna bark and they got to get through him yeah you know and good luck <laughs> he's a really nice dog until you mess with his family. Yeah, oh and yeah. then he he's like any a lot of our all of our dogs they're only they're not you know, I wouldn't push them. They got know?
1: they got that switch
0: and they know they when that switch is. They do. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure that he had that and he's turned it on a couple of times that surprised me. Yeah. But um but yeah, I, you can't lose your dog, you know. No. Accidents happen every year. Things go bad, things go south. But man, these rivers out here in these late in the late season are so dangerous whether it's slush, whether it's shelf ice, whether it's log jams that you just can't take a chance. No. no you, know, you 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 can't. have to you have to be able as as much as I like the fact that and I and I and I want a dog that goes fast, yep. I've got to be able to control that dog at the same time. Right. You know, I had to I've pulled him off of retrieves, "No bird, come here." And because i knew he didn't have enough room he might have gotten the bird
1: but that's he wasn't going to be sweep
0: down he wasn't going to be able to make it past that log jam yep so yeah and that's another big thing is you got to
1: have a dog that minds. whether it's with a shot collar you can give them a little hey Yep. i mean because a reminder. lot of dogs have those they have a big drive You just gotta give them a little reminder i right. say hey come right. back but for most part i mean yeah
0: yeah and so you know that's part of finding birds on the river you find them and you got to make sure you can actually get to them or get it get them out you know you yep. but i don't know there's hunting out hunting here is definitely unique um i can tell lots of stories about the days in michigan where we hunted late season the only thing was open were little spring fed spots or little creeks or stuff but yep. not like here not no. like these western rivers but it's so different it's so unique that i would bet that some of your techniques and tactics especially field hunting because it's pretty straightforward on the river you find where the birds are birds want to be if you can you set up there yeah pretty straightforward it's work sometimes it's really hard to get in there but that's it's pretty straightforward yeah fields are different absolutely fields are different fields have there's technique with fields there's tactics with fields what do your tactics look like here versus where you started the game in the Midwest? Um, I mean, Midwest, we're, we're hunting a
1: lot of little geese, um, with big geese mixed in, but we're, we're hunting birds that are thirty, forty thousand 40,000 on the refuge and they're wow. coming out and they're, I mean, if you don't get those first two or three flocks to work you, they're just going to lunch line over you. Sure. Um, I mean it. It sucks, but it's what happens a lot, especially when they get conditioned. Um, out here, they don't get as much pressure, which is nice. Um, but I mean, from what I've learned back there, Utah—I never, I, we hardly ever hunted fields. It was all marsh. There's sure. not very many fields in Utah that you get hunt. Now I'm getting a little more fields, so pretty much cut my teeth learning how to hunt fields in minnesota okay and so minnesota we'd run mainly layout blinds we did a few a frames but it was all layout blinds um whether it was field edges and then decoy wise we were running i mean we'd run anywhere from 20 to 100 dozen full bodies
0: wow i mean you're looking at hours of set you know an hour in the morning of setup time yeah if not more
1: yep and i mean with when we're setting that many decoys we would always set them at night sure that way i mean because let the birds
0: leave go out set them on the x yep and then go get some sleep yep because then you can sleep in in the morning
1: right you don't have to wake up at three o'clock oh in the my morning gosh, yeah and go set decoys you've already set decoys till midnight that night mm-hmm which me personally, that's what I like. I know some guides, they like waking up super early and going to send decoys.
0: Have at it, <laughs> <laughs> go for it. I'm the sleep. I'm the sleeping guy. I'll burn them. I'll burn them off with a torch in the morning if yep. I need to. Yep. Or ru- spray some rubbing
1: alcohol on them and right. get the frost off. Yeah. Right. But um, I mean, I would say a lot of if someone it comes out here and they want to get a little better at field hunting out here in the West, I would say just like I would probably what anyone else would say is pay attention to those birds see how they are sitting are they sitting in family groups are they sitting in a donut spread I mean literally I've seen a, a lot of fields this year and this year
0: we've had a lot of little geese around I don't know what it is if I it's... clean birds from our our Sunday afternoon hunt yep and it's Wednesday I like to hang my birds for a couple of days yep um and I clean birds tonight after work and there were it was it was almost 50 50 down the middle yeah little geese and big geese. i had little geese and big geese and i mean i'm not talking like juvies and adults i'm talking lessers these are different species these are different subspecies of birds i won't say we had giants in there because technically a giant's non-migratory canada Right. right but these things were big birds. Yep. I mean, I had a couple of birds that I would guarantee you were pushing 15 pounds. Yeah. You know, they were big enough that my three year old, they were tall, they're longer than my three year old. Oh, I remember carrying them out. <laughs> yeah. They're heavy. And then others were three, four pounds. Yeah. You know, and short bait, short bills, yep. totally different subspecies. Pip squeaks. Yep. Yep. And they're all mixed in together. Yeah.
1: I, and so. I've seen, de- I've seen geese out in a field literally sitting in a donut. Like, hmm. I've driven by the field, pulled over, pulled up the binos, and sat there and been like, why are they sitting in a donut? Like, literally, they'd be in an 80-yard circle, and there'd be 500 geese out there. And they'd be in a circle, and the kill hole, I guess you could say, or the right. middle of it, right, 40 yards wide. Right. And flock of birds come in. They circle it, land literally
0: right in the middle of that, right, right in the open. middle. Yep. You know, it's I bet if you walked out there, there's a perfect circle, like tractor tire circle, mm-hmm. that those birds have found a spot where there was some grain spilled or oh. there was something, and they're lined up like cows at a feed trough. Yep. When I, I've seen that cattle. too. Yeah, when they line up on a silage line yeah. or. You know any stuff where they're feeding cows or whatever, and you'll have birds literally lined up in a straight line, lined up down both sides, literally like like animal like stock at in a feed trough. Yeah, and you literally set your decoys just like that yep. the next day, huh? and you smoke them. Huh? Where if you were to set them out and it's fancy J or X or teardrop, yep. you may not decoy them. Right.
1: I mean, and a lot of with hunting out of that trailer blind we're hunting out of either field edges or even sometimes when we're out in the middle um my favorite spread and go-to spread and i change fine tune it every little bit is a t spread especially if i got a wind coming straight over my back um they can either land on the right side or left side yep. so you run a big long line and i i run about 15 15 or so dozen not a huge spread um but a big spread, yeah. I would say for out here,
0: I would say that's bigger. That's bigger than the majority of people out here running, yep. you know. And and part of it is it's a it's a it's a money thing. Yep, decoys are expensive. Oh yeah, and so especially full bodies, and guys are just starting to make the plunge into and in back back into silhouettes. Yeah, whether it's you know I don't care what brand that what brand you're running. But guys are starting to realize, dang, these things work. They're yep. effective, and I can put ten dozen of them in the trunk of my Toyota ob- Corolla. Right, <laughs> right. I can use my, I can use my commuter at thirty-five miles to the gallon right. and go on <laughs> birds. You know, <laughs> right. and save all that diesel because I don't need to burn it up. But uh, the, t- I, w- I would say you're right. I would say you're right. Do you mix in silhouettes? I do. The only the thing that out here that's tough,
1: and I'm starting to get a few different ideas and tricks to get silhouettes in the ground, is out here the frost. It's frozen. I mean, it is frozen
0: solid. And our ground is hard anyway. Yep. If by the time, because we're so dry here, it's everything's irrigated. Yep. And whether it's whether it's gated pipe, whether it's pivot, whether it's doesn't matter what it is. The only way you can grow crops above 5,000 feet is to irrigate it. Right. That's just the way it goes. You know, the line, John Wayne's line from the movie McClintock, everybody knows you can't farm the Mesa Verde, you know, (laughs) it's true. And that's where we're at. It's 4,500 to 55 to 6,000 feet on farm ground around here. And so it's, it's gotta be irrigated Well, they turn the water off on that stuff for harvest. It dries it out. It turns to a rock. hard pan. Yep. And so, yeah, well, how are you getting your silhouettes in the ground?
1: So, mainly just a rubber mallet as of right now. Um, just I'm gonna, pounding them in. Yep. And, I mean, the thing is, is you don't have to pound them in super far. Right. Half inch to an inch. As long as they hold up within a good amount of wind, you're going to kill birds. Now, if you've got decoys laying on the side, they're going to fly off of it. Right. Um so usually i'm running I, I love running sleeper shells sleeper shells are like my go-to i mean i can go out in a field and put out 10 dozen sleeper shells and kill a lot of birds but um 15 dozen full bodies and i would say anywhere from five to ten dozen silhouettes nice so i'm there's lots that.
0: of products out there i mean you've got like a dive bomb has yeah. the has a product I there's a lot of companies that have products for pounding yep. putting holes in the ground that you put your silhouettes in right those are like crucial yeah. I and mean, you could use a cordless drill you could do right there's lots of things you could do because i mean your rubber mallet pounding five dozen silhouettes in the ground that's that's time consuming right right and i mean right now um
1: i just bought some new decoys um they're black and white sx full bodies nice And I will say I'm in love with those things. They pop in a field. Yep. I mean, back in the day they ran the black and white silhouettes.
0: Yep. Or good grief on water, they ran milk jugs or bleach jugs painted black. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean this stuff Sean Stall and I talked about this at ad nauseum. This is not rocket science. No. What worked for guys thirty years ago still works. Right. Or it's working again, I should say. Yep. Give it a few years, you'll have to make a thing. But, yeah, we I mean, when we first started using silhouettes, they were homemade. Yeah. They were homemade. They were pieces of plywood, thin plywood with a a piece of lat, you know, sticking off of it that you sharpened to a point, whatever, and you painted them black and white. Right. And you killed birds. Oh, I absolutely. The I first, the first silhouettes I had, a lot of what we hunted were dairy farm pastures they're just grass pastures grass inch tall it's I mean, an it's mowed right down but right. the geese can still graze it yep. and there was no agriculture where i lived you know and so at this point in time anyway you might get an oat field every now and then a stub oat stubble field but for the most part you're hunting these pastures these yep. these cow pastures and farmers wouldn't let you drive in them nope nope you're not driving through my you're not driving around out there so back in those days, we were still using, like, magnum and super magnum carry light shell decoys. Well, you can't lug very many of those no. the distance <laughs> you need to carry them to get into some of those fields. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to try these silhouettes. And I think it was real geese or outlaw. I remember which ones I was using. And Mine m- might have been real geese because they had wire stakes. Hmm. And they were great because I could actually get them in the ground where the guys with the wooden stakes – those pastures were so compacted from the cattle, the ground was really hard, yep. and you couldn't get those wooden stakes in the ground. Yep. Just break them when you, you have, just broke hit them, them. with a the hammer. Yeah, you broke them. But I remember, and we didn't use layouts. We either hid in the edges of trees or brush piles, or a lot of times we just clustered the sh- clustered the decoys together real tight and laid in them. Right. Well, it was revolutionary. Now that I look back on it, we killed a ton of birds just lay- laying on our stomachs. Yeah. And you just hop up on your knees and shoot. Oh, I remember doing that as a kid all the time. Oh man! <laughs> and now it's like that's what everybody, do. it's what all these all these small goose guys are doing. All these, all these snow goose guys are doing is they're laying in the decoys with on backboards mm-hmm. and no no cover. They're just laying there in whites or yep. you know whatever. And we did that, and it works. It still works. It worked back then, and it still works to this day. Yeah. And so it's interesting to hear it's interesting to hear your take on things. You know, I've obviously hunted with you and hunted with Nick enough to, to know what you do and kind of how you do it. And, but it's interesting to hear you talk about it and kind of explain it. Because I think, I do think there's a lot of guys that are, that are, that want to know more. Yeah. You know, they, they want to know more and I don't care how old you are. Some of, you know, age is not a determination of experience necessarily right. i know a lot of guys that are in there that are my age in their 40s or 50s or 60s who are just now getting into especially here yeah guys guys in their 50s and 60s are going man it's not very much fun to go beat around in the mountains at chasing elk and mule deer you shoot once and if
1: you're a good shot all the work begins now
0: well and it's hard if you don't have horses right it's like man packing out elk in your fifties and sixties, I don't enjoy packing them out. And I'm in my early—I'm forty-two, <laughs> and you know, it's not something that I go. Man, I can't wait to pack out an elk this fall. <laughs> I do it; it's part of the exp- it's You do it—you know, right. you kill your bull, you pack it out. It's just part of the game, right? But it's not like I lay awake at night thinking about how awesome packing out elk it is. You get excited. Yeah, right. no, I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, not the only one, but so I think a lot of guys, especially in the West are looking around and they're seeing opportunities at geese, especially. Yep. We winter, the West winters, the central flyway and Pacific flyways of in Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, uh, Colorado, Utah. We winter a lot of birds. We do any place. There's open water. Which means either warm water lake or pond or rivers and streams, yep. and there's a little bit of ag. Those birds will stay all winter long, yeah. if long as they can get to food. Yep. And so it's an opera, and we have long seasons. You know, they start in November, October, November, and they run. We still got a month. It's the second week of January, we have a month left of goose season. To kill honkers, yeah. We haven't even really started hunting geese yet, no. to be honest. No, and I, I know got, my, my focus has been 100% on ducks yeah. because I've only got a few more days left, and it was, and it's like, okay, I'm going to focus on ducks while I can, and I'll worry about geese later, later. Yeah. And I think a lot of guys see that, and they're looking at these winners, and they're going, man, this is an opportunity that I'm missing out on, that yeah. I've been missing out on. I want. I want to. I want to try this. Right. So I think podcasts like this, blogs like the blog that we do, videos that we like, videos that we do, and not just us. There's a lot. There's other. There's other platforms out there, but talking and you know listening. There's lots of resources, yep. and I mean this podcast that you and I just sat down on. I guarantee you that this will be like drinking out of a fire hose for some people. For guys that have been doing it and are really into it, they'll, they'll like, Oh yeah. And they'll, they'll know But there's going to be guys that are just starting that are going, um, Oh, okay. More. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the goal. You know, that's the goal where it's, it's so nice to get you on the podcast. I wish I'd have been doing this podcast when Nick was still around. Mm. I would have liked to get him on one too. And I may call him and we may do one, but you know, you're, you're here right now and you're in the thick of it. And i it's it's refreshing for me because there's a 20 year difference in our ages to sit down and listen to someone with a fresh perspective yeah like you that's that's coming at this with the same passion that i still have but it's coming at it from a completely different generation it's cool to see yeah it's really cool to see i mean i would say another thing is is all these things we've been
1: bouncing back and forth between each other with decoys or blinds or anything like that. I mean, try them and then go try and fix, try new stuff. Right. I mean, I'm always, you can ask anyone I hunt with, I am always changing decoys. Right. I've never not set a decoy spread in the morning first fought comes, or even shot a limit over them and not moved the decoy. That's I'm always, always moving that's decoys. That's always the joke. <laughs>
0: that's always, there's always one guy that's doing that, and the rest of us are sitting in the blind going, you want a donut? You want a cup of coffee? Because, uh, dude, or, you're driving us nuts. Or,
1: hey, can we help? And you're like, no. I mean. You're the, working,
0: but you're working through stuff in your head.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I'm always. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Scott Thryan, owner of Moltgear. He said the best scouters are the best hunters because you're always scouting birds you're watching them you're learning how they're how they're sitting in a field how they're feeding into the wind if it's a high wind um if it's no wind they're kind of more spread out that's all those things and man when i get done doing a decoy spread everyone hops in the blind i kind of hang out i stand up i look at the decoys and i'm like all right i need to fix that i need to fix that I and then the i go then i go do it and people are like you need help and i'm like no no i'm just working through stuff i'm just
0: i'm just trying to make it goosey looking i do this i do the the same thing you know and we have we have our spots everybody's got their spots but we've got the the one little duck spot down here on the river that we hunt a lot for a lot of reasons one it's it's a consistent producer um two it's close and three it's you kind of get So you enjoy hunting, you know. You you Uh, enjoy just going down to the blind. It's
1: the go-to. Yeah,
0: you know. But if you set your decoys and you do it at the same time, (laughs) every single time, the birds are going to notice. So I'm constantly thinking about how do I do this different. You know, the other day, the last couple times I've hauled down, last time we went, I hauled down a dozen goose decoys. And I hauled down a dozen mallard full bodies. And I set them on this gravel bar and then I set the floaters up a little bit different and just tweaking things to try to make it look a little different. But I don't know. It's interesting. Um, man, we've been talking for, like, well over <laughs> an hour. so
1: Going to have to do some editing. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs>
0: that's, that's what Luke's for. So, But we're going to get out tomorrow morning and go chase some ducks, and we'll get you back on. I'm excited for the last few days of, of season yeah me too duck season and then some late goose and we'll do some more of these be thinking about maybe topics that you want to talk about okay um i know i'd like to pick your brain about calling okay you're one of the best callers that i've ever had the privilege of hunting with appreciate it and that's not an accident you know that's something that that's that's a craft that you have honed a skill that you have developed and i'd like to hear your thoughts on it you know i've Absolutely. I've had a lot of I've had some some pretty A list guys on the podcast <laughs> and kinda of pick their brains about some things too. And some of them I'm I'm gonna get back on yep. eventually. And you know, Sean Stahl was one, Kelly Powers was another. They talked about, you know, um some of their some of the calling techniques, some of their advice for yep. callers. Um Clay Hudnell was was awesome to have on the podcast he talked about you know um meet Colin and, and their philosophy behind what they do at field proven calls I mean all all those
1: all three of those guys I literally cut
0: my teeth watching right. them and listening to right them. and they're and those are all guys that are my age you know they're we're I hate to say it, but we're the old guys <laughs> in, in the sport now it wasn't it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that we were your age and we were the up-and-comers and It was the guys like, you know, Tim Grounds and Jeff Foyles and – Buck Gardner. Buck Gardner and Phil Robertson and and, – I mean, Phil's – and Phil's still a a very important part of what we do. But, you know, some of those older guys that are even older than us now, you know, uh, Jim Ronquest and John Stevens and the guys at R&T and and, and, uh, Sean Mann. Nope. We could we could we could name drop and name drop and name drop, but my oh, p- right. my point is this: there's kind of I'm I'm definitely starting to realize that I'm the old man now, <laughs> you know, and especially I've I've kind of gravitated back to shooting an over and under, <laughs> you know, and it's like. Man, am I gonna start wearing tweed pipe <laughs> pretty soon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might have to question you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blind, you have that going on? Yeah, if I have one of the real fancy CZs, <laughs> you know, instead of the one that I'm shooting now, that that altering is a pretty sweet shotgun, but um,
1: it did pull up nice.
0: Yeah, it's a good gun, and, and it's you know coated tough, but and we could talk about that kind of stuff all the time, but I definitely want to get you back on, but I'll get you out of here right Let's now do. and. uh yeah look forward to putting a plan together what are you thinking for the morning i don't know i'm quite figured out whether i might
1: know my dad wants to go shoot chuckers and i'm more of a waterfowl guy like if i can call at it yeah, uh, that's gotta, what i'm that's what i'm key to
0: you got to keep the old man happy
1: though. yeah he's been helping me out this year especially with being a little tougher year i'm out with clients almost all day and he's out scouting so go do something he wants to go there do for go. a little bit there so. you go
0: well we've got a handful of days left yeah i think i'm probably going to go down to the blind in the morning okay even if it's just me and uh yeah like i said i got friday i got a spot let's do let's plan on friday morning for sure because i don't have a lot of time on friday morning okay i have a meeting that i have to be back for at 10 okay but if you should got be out spot, of there by then yeah i don't think it'll be yeah and uh Cameraman said he's good to go as long as he can shoot. He can shoot. <laughs> 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 All right. Don't so, know how good he can shoot, but he can shoot. <laughs> no, be, he's just fine. <laughs> anyway, so we'll we'll do that, and I'm going to do something tomorrow, even if it's wrong. Ain't we got, that the truth. We got a magazine out this afternoon that, that's always our tough one. Our mule mm-hmm. deer issue is always a hard magazine, um, challenging challenging edition of, of EHJ. And so I'm kind of like – I need a breather in the morning, and I think a morning in the duck blind, even if it's just me and the dog, yep. would be a welcome thing. So
1: yep. you can't go wrong with that.
0: Well, and if I go solo, I'm not going to tear them up. You know, I won't. I won't shoot into any big groups, and I'll shoot at singles and pairs, and yep. I'm not going to mess anything up doing that way. Yep. But I think that's how Friday will be. I
1: think it'll be a single pair day, and just sit there and take turns. Which uh, that's, I, I that's, that's so much a gentleman fun. hunt. That's right. That's, that's a gentleman right. hunt.
0: Those are a lot of fun. I may take 20 gauge. That's what I'll be shooting. I know my dad. If they're going to be that. If they're going to be that close, I'm taking I'll, a 20. It'll, it'll be, I mean,
1: when we hunted a few weeks, no, it was about a month ago. We hunted down there and the birds finally got back in there. But when we hunted it, it was 15 yards. Improved cylinder. And a, oh,
0: jeez, And 20 gauge. Yep. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be a cool one. Hopefully we can get a bunch of good footage. Cause this year has been stale. You know, we've had, we've, been kind of forced to hunt the same stuff, the same scenarios, same birds, the same birds over and over and over again. So something new will be really cool. I'm so. excited. Thanks Noah. Thank Appreciate you. you being on. Absolutely. All right, man. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the wingman podcast. And I hope you enjoy what you're hearing. Noah is a phenomenal guest. He's, for, I tell you what, for a 23 year old guy, he is a fount of knowledge. And it's, it's a pleasure to be able to hunt with him. It's a pleasure to be able to sit down and do a podcast with him. So hope you enjoyed it as much as we have. Make sure you, uh, give us, give us a review on SoundCloud or whatever platform you're listening to us on. Make sure you you give us a like and a follow so we can keep bringing you more of this content and let us know in our, in your review or in your comments, let us know what other, what else you want to hear. Is it more tactics? Is it gear? Do you want, uh, what do you want, who do you want on the podcast for guests? We'll do our best to bring you what you want to hear. Hey, thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll see you in the field.